he's referred to as the man in the back of the room and introduced as the voice of God. He's told U.S. presidents where to sit, given Tony and Grammy award-winning celebrities direction, and lectured scads of students. But as he likes to point out, the event entertainment expert you don't know, you don't know, Anthony Bellata. And Bellatified. Hi, friends, and welcome to episode 65 of Bellatify, the one and only podcast about event entertainment and engagement. I'm Anthony Bellata, and I'm here, as I am every week, with the one and only Alex Apostolides. Hey, Alex! Hello! Happy Monday! It's a beautiful day. It is. It's a beautiful day in paradise, and as we say in San Diego, not to rub it in, just another day in paradise. Day. You know what? It's been really cold lately. Come on. I mean, cold for us. So um, it was nice to be outdoors yesterday and actually have to take off a jacket. I uh, I totally agree. In fact, a jacket would have been too much yesterday. It was that warm. And I think it was even warmer on Saturday. Uh, it was gorgeous on Saturday. And again, not to rub this in, but... You may recall that a week ago, we helped our friends with their wedding, their outdoor wedding. Uh, I just, what what hit me this Saturday uh, as I was writing with Grandma Joanne, uh, as I was corresponding with her, was the fact that I had suggested that we do it either on the 12th or the 19th when they really weren't sure which Saturday would work best. Uh, And we ultimately landed on the 5th because that was the day that the Saturday that worked best for our bride and groom. But ultimately, the 12th would have been a much better day on which to get married. Yes. Although the pictures are probably going to be exquisite because of the lighting. Yes. So there's that. Yes. And when they look back, they won't really remember the rain. Um, My hands, I think, have finally thought out. Yes. I literally was putting them up against the heater, touching the outside of the heater. That's how cold I was. Thank God for those heaters. I know. Yes. 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 And thank God for you suggesting as many as you did, because (laughs) I was thinking, is that too many? But only because, you know, the party expanded. It was the perfect amount. Yeah. Yeah. And I think those who were cold were found the heaters and those Mm -hmm. who weren't didn't you know because it's california cold which is to say that some people find it to be extremely cold and others just don't it's it's a phenomenon that i i haven't really come to terms with uh but you know i guess if you're from minnesota or wisconsin and you come here in february the 60 degree water is warm enough to swim in this is true this is true. And then there are just people who are hot blooded. And then there's people like me. And I, I think I've mentioned, I have a support group. It's women with thin blood. So it's a support group for those of us with thin blood to uh, be able to whine and complain about hands and feet being cold. Um, you thin blooded woman. You. I know. I tell you, I tell you, but I did something fun yesterday that I have never, ever done before. Tell us. I was invited by, um, got my hairs cut on Saturday. And the woman who um, does that is she's a, one of my dearest friends. She's family to me. And so she has a group that she plays pickleball with. And 
she said, do you want to come play with us? And I said, sure. So I, when I got home, I, first thing I did was ask my daughter, please tell me that's not an old person's game. Cause I don't want to go down the road if it's an old person's game. She goes, no, 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 mom, we play in school. You'll love it. And I used to play tennis. I loved tennis. So I went and I played and I was really proud of myself because, well, a couple of reasons. A, there was only one person in the group I knew. And I almost just kind of, I hid behind a bush and went, uh-uh, no, we're going to go home. We'll just tell them your daughter needs you. Just go home. And I just go, you don't have to stay. And it was a lovely group of people. And then I actually played three games and I don't, um, I don't uh, play sports when other people have to depend on me because it's too, you know, this was when we were playing doubles because mm-hmm. I don't want to be the one to mess up and cause a game to, you know, us not to win. And I didn't even care about it. And after the first game, I did really well. I played really well. Wow. So uh, I've not played pickleball, but the housewives have. And so, and they play pickleball on Vanderpump Rules as well. But even more important, Judy Grant plays pickleball. Judy plays, oh, well, now I'm going to call her and say, let's play pickleball. Although yes. she's very competitive. She yeah, would yeah. definitely not want me on her team. She would me on the opposite. She'd probably want you to practice first. Yes, that's true. But um, so a pickleball is like a, is it like a waffle ball? Is yeah, a- it is. So it's a combination between tennis, racquetball, and ping pong. And, you know, when you play tennis, the tennis ball has some heft to it. Right. And there's a sweet spot in the racket, not so much with pickleball. And you really have to um, deal with the wind. So if the wind blows, that's such a light ball. Right. It's just going to go. Right. Um, So, but it's. And then, so I I assume the rules are different because if you hit it and the wind takes it back to you, can you hit it again? No. No, there actually, there are a lot of similarities in, but there's also a, there's a lot of rules, but they make sense. There's a little bit of an offsides rule that, you know, like in soccer, there's offsides that until you really understand it, you forget to look for it and you don't really know when it's happening. So there's one rule in pickleball, which is where you don't play in the kitchen. That's literally the little area. It's called the kitchen. You can play in it, but the ball has to bounce. You can't lob it and you have to go right outside of the kitchen. You can't play consecutive games in the kitchen you can't live in the kitchen the court is like a racquetball court not a tennis court you're hitting against a wall or no you're hitting over a net but it's a shorter net and it's a um small paddle it's about that's what she said (laughs) one and a half by six oh there's so many things i want to say but i'm gonna be good um i'm you know i that's the one that just i i think i have it on my, my socks now that's what she said yes <laughs> mine is it's man's math um <laughs> it's man's math it's man's math um anyhow uh so but it, yeah but it's a it's a lot of fun and it's a much smaller court and um, there's one person there that I met yesterday. Her name is Mary and she's the one that's teaching everybody how to play. So yeah, it was fun. It did was a lot play, of fun. Did you play it at uh, Tecolote or somewhere in, uh, in your hood? What'd you play? It was, it, it's um, where my friend lives is it's condos mile from where I live and she's on the association. And so they actually on the tennis court drew in two, um, two pickle 
court, pickleball courts. Pickle. And say that three times fast. Pickleball, pickleball, not pick it, pickleball, 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 pick a little, pick a pick, 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 pick a little more. Pickleball. Yeah. So I was, I was a sports gal yesterday, did that. And then, and then I went bowling. Jeez, that is and, a double, double hitter. And I bowled my second game. I bowled a 136. I am not a good bowler. So wow. I was real pleased with that 136. Was that a high game? For, for me? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I don't, at first I thought it was my highest, but I don't believe so. I think my highest was in the 140s or 150s. Nice. So how many games did you bowl? We only got in two because we got there just in the last hour. So we only got in two games. Normally when Illy and Janet came, the three of us went, we try to get in three to four games. And where do you bowl? Right in El Cajon at Parkway Bowl. It's just Parkway. Yeah. Yeah. There used to be a really good one in in, uh, South Park, North Park. Aztec Bowl, but they they don't exist anymore. They're gone. Yeah, I never, I it. actually never bowled at Aztec Bowl um, when it was here, uh, and there was also one in Kearney Mesa, Kearney Mesa Bowl mm-hmm. that's gone now. That I bowled, I have bowled there, but uh, you know, I have a bowling ball and shoes. I did know that because we bowled together. That's true. We bowled. We bowled together. That's yeah. true. We should do that again. I miss bowling. We should, and that bowling alley we went to was so much fun. That's a, a lot, fun, fun bowling alley. A lot of lights and action, mm-hmm. and yeah. Well, and you can you get table side service. You can order and you can eat and you can drink, and it's all right there. There's nothing like bowling alley French fries. Yes, they're usually pretty pretty darn good. And bowling alley beer, but I know that's not your thing. Yeah, yeah, I'm not so much a beer drinker. Um, but yeah, bowling alley beer. Hey, hey. And it has a nice ring to it. Right, it sure does. Bab. Uh, <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad you had a great day. Definitely. definitely. It's good. Good to get out. And, and also really good to uh, do something you've not done before. Face a little anxiety in the, in the face and say, I'm just going to do this. And uh, I'm so glad you, you took that position. Yay to you. Yay to me. Yes. <laughs> I thought we would talk about a very interesting article that came to my attention uh, uh, within the course of studies at uh, SDSU. Uh, this is an article that was written by Bank Sadler, which is a worldwide uh, event management and venue sourcing agency. They do like 13,000 venue bookings a year. And uh, they've managed hundreds and hundreds of events and they work throughout the entire world, like 66 countries. They're, they know, they know the, the market of meeting, planning and management. And so they wrote an article about understanding your, your uh, conference attendee. And within this article, they point out six different types of attendee and give some quick ideas on how to engage them. Because as we know, engaging the attendee is the most important thing to do. And what we're going to be dealing with more and more is this idea of personalization in our events. In other words, being able to accommodate several different kinds of uh, event attendee uh, rather than just one. And that uh, that should serve to 
inform our design, our design uh, making decisions. You know, what is it we're going to do? How is it we're going to uh, unfold things? How is it we're going to lay things out? What is it we're going to lay out? All of those questions. Uh, so there's six six attendee uh, uh, identifications. I I definitely relate to one of them. It'd be interesting. I'm not going to tell you which one. So we'll just briefly go through the six. And then you'll tell me, if you don't mind, who you most relate to. And uh, who I think you do. Yes. 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 Okay. Oh, it's okay. a little this or that kind of game. I'm liking it. It's a little, little this or that. You don't have the you don't have the advantage of having all of these names in front of you. So I hope you'll remember, uh, or maybe you have a little notepad there. You can yeah. take some notes. Okay. So the first attendee is the knowledge seeker. This is the person who's always looking for opportunities to learn something that can help them better themselves, their career, you know, build a business case, gain more complete understanding of an industry or project. These people want to learn and they're there for the educational agenda. And that's exactly why they attend, to take advantage of the engaging learning experiences. And uh, a quick profile snapshot of this, this person. They seek to gain industry knowledge. They make attendance decisions based on agenda and speakers, and they base their experience rating on session content. So that's the knowledge seeker, all right? Mm -hmm. Then there's the tech savvy networker. And this is the person who is active, plugged into attendees. They value personal relationships and always seek out ways to make meaningful connections. Uh, events are made for this tech savvy networker. Um, if they're providing them with targeted opportunities to meet the right people and have productive conversations. They, uh, they're considered plugged in professionals. They value personal relationships. They definitely set event goals and they're always on, they're multitaskers, they're always on. Uh, they look for opportunities for productive conversations and they continue conversations beyond the event via multiple platforms. So again, they're very connected socially. All right, that's number two. Number three, is the inspiration seeker. And this person is always looking for purpose in their personal and business endeavors. They value emotional connections and prefer having experiences to sitting in conference rooms or lecture halls. They attend because they wanna find personal inspiration and engage in transformational experiences. The inspiration seeker looks for meaning or purpose, values emotional connections, prefers experiences versus lectures, is creative and vibrant and possesses very high expectations. The fourth is the social butterfly. Now they attend to make key industry connections to be seen and to see, meet and greet. Uh, they actually can be an event's greatest ally because they love meeting new people and they love connecting with others who share common interests. 
They also like to socialize with friends and colleagues and they bring energy and enthusiasm to the mix. I can think of several people right now. They're truly interested in meeting, greeting and learning, eager to engage at every touch point. They don't miss a thing. They look forward to meeting new people, as I just said. They love to socialize, as I just said. They're enthusiastic, high energy. They prefer casual interaction and they will spread the word via social media, the social butterfly. Our fifth identity is the reluctant attendee. This attendee is probably an introvert who finds attending events about as appealing as, I'm sorry to say, a dentist visit. <laughs> I kind of like going to the dentist, but this is your most challenging target audience because just getting them to show up is a huge hurdle. They usually feel overwhelmed or may feel overwhelmed uh, by the experience and by the social demands of the event. And uh, they are only there likely to meet their obligation. They're not small talkers. They're uncomfortable socializing with new people. They feel obligated to attend and they may feel overwhelmed. The last identity is the brand fanatic. This is the dedicated follower who identifies with the brand's culture and feels connected to its other devotees. Like, uh, you know, we can think of uh, Comic-Con fans and Star Wars fans and uh, others like that. Um, they feel that brands lend them a certain status that they find enjoyable. They're always looking for the next big thing, the inside scoop, and they crave the wow factor. They, they want consistency and experiences and enjoy attending high level events. That's why they attend to experience and enjoy the culture with other brand fanatics. Brand loyal, dedicated follower, wants to be on the inside, craves the wow, wants experience consistent with brand and is likely social media savvy. Those are the six, the brand fanatic, the reluctant attendee, the social butterfly, the inspiration seeker, the tech savvy networker, and the knowledge seeker. Okay, so my first for you, because I kind of have you in, well, in, you know, I can see you in all of them, but two top, but the very first one is the knowledge seeker. Interesting. And then it would be... Um, the social butterfly, not so much to be seen, but to see and to connect and engage. Hmm. Those are both you attribute to me. Mm -hmm. And I actually um, have D with that one as well. Mm -hmm. The social butterfly. Mm -hmm. And as, as well as kind of a cross between tech savvy and brand fanatic, because D'Angelo is, you know, he's very connected on social and is very good about doing things very quickly that way. Um. And he does like big wow factors, you know, from mm -hmm. a lot of the stuff that he himself has produced is their, their wow moments. What did you, what was, did you put yourself as? I'm curious, because it yeah. obviously is not what I did. Well, I instantly, I'm almost embarrassed to say this. 
They're reluctant. Yes. I instantly connected with the reluctant attendee. Like I, 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 I'm not awkward socially. I know how to uh, conduct myself socially, but I'm not, I'm not always in the social mood, I should say. And I don't, I don't always feel social and it's hard for me to get myself to the point of being social. That's the, the God's honest truth. I'm being as authentic as I can possibly be. From the couch to the ballroom door is a heavy lift for me. And it's not that I'm doing nothing on the couch. In no. fact, it's it's the opposite. I've just got so much in my, you know, my purview that I, mm -hmm. I can't stop to now go take in something else, you know, so mm -hmm. I tend to be reluctant. However, um, there were, are elements of each of them, I think, of most of them, I would say, that pertain. What I found, the one I found to be most like you was the inspiration seeker. That was the very first one I put for me. And then I put the reluctant attendee. <laughs> That's interesting. See, and and <laughs> and I view you as someone, it's very interesting because I view you as someone that um, would definitely consider going to something and, you know, give it good, give it thought and, you know, real consideration. Whereas I, I would instantly say, uh, nah, I'm not interested. So here's the thing with me. If I go somewhere and I have a task at hand, absolutely, because I can focus on that. And so if my social, if my shyness or a little bit, some, every once in a while, most people never see this. The social, they don't see it because when the social anxiety kicks in, I'm out, I'm gone. Mm -hmm. I just leave. Um, <clears throat> so they don't see it. Uh, but if I go and I know I have a task, like I just, I'm involved in this new group. And the very first time I did something within the group, it was, it was, there was a task at hand and I knew I could focus on that task. And if I was uncomfortable, I could leave after the task. Right. To just go to a networking event, that's hard for me, unless it's something, no, it's hard for me across the board. There may be times where I'm going to walk in and just go, oh, no, this is great. But the gearing up to get there mm -hmm. is very, very, very difficult because that's, like I said, with just even the other day, something as silly as playing pickleball, right? Or pickleball, not pickleball, pickleball. There was one person I knew and there were five people I didn't. And I just, no, I can't do this. Mm. Yeah, I think that you're far from being alone in that anxiety and that most people a fair amount of people feel the same thing when they walk into a networking event, which is one of the reasons why music is so important and creating an environment and a vibe is so important to those kinds of events, because uh, we all share that anxiety. And I, I would venture to say that those who are the social butterfly, um, who are so really eager to get out there are few and far between. Um, they, they're just infectious and their energy is so over the top that um, you, they almost make up the difference, if you will. <laughs> you almost For need us. it there, right? For those of us who aren't, you know, really like that. Well, and what the other thing that I'm finding interesting, and I can see that these two, and they're the two I resonated with and why they go hand in hand, the inspiration seeker and the reluctant attendee. As I get older, 
it there has to be a greater purpose. And it's not about money and it's not about connections in that way. To me, there has to be a greater good, the highest and greatest good for people. What serves people? What serves the world? How are we going to make the world a better place? I need that kind of motivation and inspiration. And that helps me get over being the reluctant attendee. If I don't have that kind of spiritual connection anymore, and it's really gotten big over this last year, I'm kind of not interested. I think you probably echo uh, what is happening worldwide. I think people have found in this experience over the pandemic that um, it they're much more hard pressed to be motivated. Something really has to click uh, and the experience that's being promised really has to seem compelling. I, I can, I can, a not to be missed event. Otherwise, I, I fear that um, the attendance after sort of a wave of, of high attendance because of the natural need to connect with people after having been separated, mm-hmm. you know, I think we'll see that come to play. But then I, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see a falling off of some events and the offering of events as just another way to either raise money or to bring people together with no real, real compelling reason. Uh, You know, I can see those start to fall away and virtual taking on more of those types of connections, especially I've said this before, where training is necessary and learning is necessary uh, or certification is necessary. I can see those going to virtual very quickly. So to your point, I think a lot of people are going to be taking that same approach to which events they attend and which ones they quite frankly give up, mm-hmm. even if there they've been to, going. Yeah, yeah. There has to be a human humanity aspect to yes. me. And I think we really given everything we've been through and everything that's not to get political, but everything that's happening in the world right now, we really, I think as a species really need to see the bigger picture. Yes. And maybe that needs to be part of the agenda of those who are hosting conferences. What is the bigger picture and how is it that they can inspire and motivate the idea that we're stronger as a community than we are as uh, than we are alone, uh, because that drives people to want to be a community and spend time. You know, the whole idea of we can get things done as a community, or we can uh, we're stronger. You know, we're more vibrant. We're more diverse. You know, all of those things have to sort of play into the purpose. Um, because right now, if you go and you and you don't have a connection, then waste what are you time. left with? Yeah, yeah, it's going to feel like a waste of time. And right? it's a drain. It's an energetic and emotional and a physical drain. And a financial drain. And a financial, yes. Yeah, yeah especially now with inflation being what it is. It's, <sighs> it's, not, it's not inexpensive. Mm-mm. 
and nothing is getting less expensive. So the value proposition, you know, it could be the reason why a lot of meetings do go virtual, just the expense, the expanding expense, hotel room rates, food rates, travel rates, gas rate, we can go on and on and on. So um, that in itself could be why a lot of events go virtual, just cost. But then those who don't, those that don't go virtual, we really need to have, as we're talking about this value proposition and back to what we're talking about, these attendees is understanding who your attendees are and then ensuring that you're giving them, you're designing your event with them in mind. So let me ask you this. Are you designing your event with all six of these people or are you targeting a group? Well, this is what I would say. If you have a very large conference or a conference that mandates attendance, like a, like a company-sponsored event, then, yeah, you have to speak to all of these because they're all there. Unless you know because you've cultivated a specific audience, you have to you have to speak to all of them. If you've, if you've cultivated a specific audience and you know that audience to be within two, one, two, or three of these types, then no, you don't have to worry about the other three. You can focus on the three. But knowing, the, knowing your audience is key, right? It's, yes. It's, it's really key. And you do that through surveying, a constant surveying. Uh, it has to be because things change on a dime anymore. And people are in and out, right? Mm -hmm. it, it's no longer can we think, oh, we have a membership of 20,000 people because we've had a membership of 20,000 people for 10 years. You know, it doesn't work yeah. that way anymore. Mm -hmm you're constantly having to maintain and grow that membership. And, you know, we're not a membership organization, but I can only imagine the amount of money and time and effort that is, is uh, put to use for just to keep people in an organization. And if you can't to replace them, you know, I mean, especially if you have a year, with a lot of people, like like COVID years where people couldn't pay dues for some of their memberships, you know, there must have been a lot of fall off. I, I know some organizations like ADEA, the American Dental Educators Association, uh, where I'm going this week, I know that they didn't charge for their virtual meetings last year. And I think I know they put a moratorium on their fees, their, their membership fees, just to keep people from not you know, from, from, from letting their membership go, just from keeping people from letting their membership go. And that was a smart move, mm -hmm. right? Because not that it didn't cost them. And that's what people forget, even though you're already a member and some of those dues were to sort of get you on board. You know, those dues help with programming and infrastructure and communication and, you know, all of those things. All those things. Right? So to not pay those dues for a year means that, they did a really great job mm -hmm. either securing sponsorships or dipping in to a fund that they've been, you know, uh, the rainy day fund kind right? of fortifying freeze. Exactly. So uh, they did that and it was remarkable, you know, no fall off, but others will have fall off and 
knowing who your people are is really key to sending them messages that inspire and compel them and uh, keep them from falling off. Show them that they're valued. You know, when you, when you as an organization, an association, and I obviously did the same thing, right? When you do that for your membership, you tell them, we value you, we need you, we want you, we understand, we have compassion. Mm. Let's work together. Yes. That makes people want to engage and be a part, right? Yes. And if, if you're not that way, and it's just all about the bottom dollar, especially now, you know, we, we've, I think I, I'm going to say there, I can't imagine that there's anybody out there, man, I'm sure there are, but that weren't, that didn't gain a different value system over the last couple years, you know, who said it best. Was it you who said this to me? Somebody? Oh, I don't know, but if it was best, I'd like to think it was me. It'll be a long time before people fantasize about spending more time with family again. No, definitely wasn't me. <laughs> that wasn't me. But that's funny. I love oh. to spend more time with family. <laughs> that's that is funny, isn't it? That's very yeah, funny. Right. I think the value the values have changed, and uh, the world is moving at a much faster pace than it did two years ago, four years ago, six years ago. I mean, it's just exponentially getting faster and faster. And the thing is that, that what's, what's most frightening about that, not to get all morbid about this, because we want to get back to the article, but where's it going? Um, technology is going to soon outpace the human ability. So what is that? What does that mean for the human race? You know, technology will outpace us, do things faster, better, easier. So it says to me that those who are able to harness that power and are able to afford it, which means the ability to harness it, will be fine. But those who can't or don't understand it or are going to be swept away. But I think it also says, and getting back to the point about the attendees, because of this, it's more now more than ever, it's incredibly important to focus on the human element. Absolutely. Absolutely. And not just the human element, the the, uh, particular uh, points or profiles Mm -hmm. points of your attendees, right? Uh, because if you do that, then you don't have to really say we value you because then you're showing. The exactly. Audience, right? And saying and value. showing are two different things. Right. Exactly. Very, very big difference. And, you know, even and, and looking, OK, well, what do what value do these different groups, these different um, attendee groups bring? And even you say, well, what value could a reluctant attendee bring? A reluctant attendee can bring a lot of value. Because if they're there and you show them respect and you show them that they have value, you now bring on someone who otherwise may have went, eh, 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 never mind. Right? right. You're right. showing them what value they have. Right. It's like playing to the, the hardest person in the room mm-hmm. to impact. Right. If you can play to that person, 
then you can play to anybody else. And once you have converted that person, you've got a fan for life because the that's what it doesn't say about the reluctant, uh, the reluctant attendee. If they decide once they get there that it's of use, of value, then they will go every time. That's what I think. And it's like it's like the skeptic, right? The skeptic. Exactly. The, the skeptic can be your biggest friend, and if you are able to show them, you really must have value. What you're offering must be really important. And if you're able to convert that person, the reluctant attendee, the skeptic, then what you have, you must really believe in. Because right. you can't, you can't sell a skeptic. You can't sell a reluctant attendee on an idea if you don't believe in it. No, and that has a lot to do with authenticity. And, uh, you know, that's a big word today. People are throwing that around. Mm -hmm. Be authentic, be authentic. Quite frankly, I don't think all of us should be authentic all the time. <laughs> I think that is a recipe for some disaster. But authentic in the way that we run our businesses and our professional careers is important, I think. Well, oh, I mean, you goodness. wouldn't have wanted to see my authentic person on Saturday. I was just, it wasn't, it wasn't a pretty picture on Saturday. So that's when I, I hold up and I, I hibernated Saturday. I did right. one thing. And then as Ileana would say, mom, your social battery's low. You need to recharge. So, but being able to admit that is being authentic and knowing, eh, you don't want me right now. God, that 17 year old is wise. Oh my she God. Really is. She really you got to recharge your social battery. Get off the couch, you lazy woman. You know, somebody asked me to do something for them Saturday. And I, do I ever say no? No. And you never lay on the couch either. Well, I did though, but I oh, did. Good. That was just it. And I asked Dillian, I reached out to her for help. And I said, your mom needs to be selfish right now. I need to be selfish. Can Good you please you. do this for me? And she goes, mom, in big caps, be selfish. Yes. Good for you. Good for you. I love that learning. Me too. Me too. And that's why I think what all this playing to all these people, you're not just playing to a one dimension, one dimensional group, the knowledge seeker, the reluctant attendee, the inspiration seeker. There's many facets to each one of those groups and to know that and service that is very, very big. And it's incredibly important. So would you like to know how some, some, I do some quick little ideas yes. in event design for how to speak to each of them. So the knowledge seeker, we remember that person, right? Mm -hmm. They like to take advantage of the engaging learning experience as well. They also like those pre-event surveys so that uh, you're tailoring your content to their needs. And they also like it when you invest in a main speaker that piques their interests and keeps their attention. And they like the ability to interact in their track learning, if you will. So sessions with two-way interaction mm -hmm. really does compel the knowledge seeker. As well as giving them some out-of-the-box learning environments to grow in, if you will. That is a high compelling feature for a knowledge seeker. I like that. Again, speaker, 
Seeker speak speaker. Surveying, lots of learning opportunities and don't make them passive learning opportunities. Oh, you- nothing. Nothing should be passive. No, no. You learn so much more when you're involved, when you're hands-on, right. when it's it's a uh, conversation, when you're speaking with, not at. Exactly. And when 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 the speaker is speaking to you with the idea that your opinions matter. Mm-hmm. So how about that tech-savvy networker? Well, this would seem rather, uh, at its face, rather simple, right? Yes, um, it would seem it, obvious. Right. Include features in your app to help them find and connect with the right contacts, as well as to store their virtual business cards. Enable enable gamification in the app. Now they're assuming just in the app, but I think gamification can be live as well. Uh, Offer speed networking. Provide them with ample opportunities to meet people and to meet up with people and supply them with a list of attendees before they attend. Interesting. I huh? think, yeah. I, you know, for a second there, I wanted to identify with it, but the more you go into it, no. <laughs> Not because I don't have the ability, just don't necessarily have the interest. So well, let's see here. Let's see if this works for you. How you design events for the inspiration seeker. You need to develop highly motivational content through mm-hmm. a variety of methods, such as powerful keynotes, coaching sessions, content tailored to attendees' business, and personal objectives. You want to offer immense experiences that connect and inspire and give them experiences that also bring in the local culture. Uh, opportunities to participate in brainstorming or co-creation sessions will mm-hmm. rank high for these people. Uh, and, um, you know, give them some alternate venues. Don't keep them in one space for all your events. Let them move around. And also com- uh, consider some community outreach for this type of, of attendee. Makes perfect sense, right? They want to make a difference. Uh, and you know what? If you involve them in the event, just don't tell them what's happening. You have a higher chance of engaging them. Yes, I agree. Yes, one hundred percent. So, of course, with the social butterfly, the event design is somewhat a little, somewhat different. Make sure there are plenty of opportunities for interaction in breakout sessions. Now that's sometimes a a line that a lot of people never cross, you know, because breakout sessions aren't always delivered by professional speakers, depends on the setting. Sometimes they're people within the same company or network. Uh, And so making sure that there's interaction in them is not always an easy thing to do, but it is, it could be very worthwhile because people go to those sessions for specific learning. And I would imagine oftentimes with questions burning and having an opportunity to get those answered is why somebody will travel 2,000 miles to go to a conference and be in a breakout. So it's important to be interactive and let people not just, and what I mean by that is not just deliver content. Exactly. If it's a certification, that's Mm -hmm. different. But you know, if it's a breakout and you're, and you're doing a deep dive into a topic, 
then most likely people are fascinated by the topic or need some specific information and want to learn more. And so engaging them is so important. Um, in formal meeting settings, rather than seated events, right? So cocktail receptions, that kind of thing for the social butterflies, always include entertainment and leisure activities in the, in the agenda, always do that for social butterflies. And consider how the social butterfly can be a powerful influencer. They can help you to communicate your key messages and build excitement with other attendees. Consider asking them to be speakers or event committee members. That's a good point. That's a very good point. Yes. Very easy. They're the easiest to engage if you just think about it and, uh, you know, not perhaps not be so control oriented and give up some of that. You probably get something really good back. Mm -hmm. All right. Here we go with the reluctant attendee. Here's how you design for them. You got to create opportunities for them to get to know each other early in the agenda. So it'll help them feel more comfortable throughout the entire event. You use the event app to make recommendations to nudge the attendee to try things based on what they like. Uh, you consider providing meeting and breakout session choices where possible. So the attendees feel in control of their experience. That's important. I think that's really important. So important. I want to be in control. I'll go your way if it's my way. Point out content that is forward thinking or based on new research, as it may hold more of an appeal to this attendee type. Definitely allow free time and space for disengagement, as this type of attendee often needs downtime to recharge their Charge social, their social battery. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Consider incorporating on-demand or virtual sessions to allow them to partake in the comfort zone, if you will. And uh, if they're non-mandatory meetings, be certain the invitation clearly states the benefits of attending. Interesting, huh? Yeah. Uh, naturally, there's more there than there is for the social butterfly because they're a harder group to, uh, to persuade. And lastly, we come to the brand fanatic. Now, you you said that D'Angelo, um, he does have a bit of this trait in him, but I actually wouldn't call him a brand fanatic because I don't see in him this need to celebrate and be a part of a big, big exactly. crowd. It was the, ex the explanation of the brand fanatic that got me. Yes. Not so much the always looking for the next big thing. Of, right. Yeah, yes. right. And it's the wow moments. It's not the cachet of the brand. It's the, you know. Right. Now I can show tapped you on. pictures that would suggest otherwise. I could show you some of those, but we won't because this <laughs> is not a visual podcast. So we won't go there. Uh, but no, as a matter of course, I think he's less likely to be to want to be in the center of this crowd. Uh, and, you know, this is a very interesting one, too, because, again, I mentioned it earlier with Comic-Con, but we live in San Diego. So we know mm -hmm. Comic-Con and we know um, the transformation that it makes to our downtown area, not only by the design and the installations that, you know, big entertainment companies do, but 
by the hordes of people in costume, very elaborate costume. Uh, in fact, you know, the sort of the local news on Comic-Con is you don't have to get a ticket to attend. All you need to do is take the trolley or an Uber downtown. You don't want to drive downtown during this, but you want to just get downtown and sit in a cafe and watch it walk by. Right. It's really incredible. Have you been to Comic-Con? Just have to ask. I have. I never I have. have. And as a voice actor, you'd think I would have gone, but just not had the opportunity. So here's the thing about Comic-Con. It's a fabulous show, but it is a, at its essence, it is an exhibit. Mm -hmm. And by that, I mean, it is the, the ex exhibition hall at the San Diego Convention Center is wall to wall cartoon uh, publications, figurines, uh, paraphernalia, all of that. It's like a, basically it's like a big sales floor. It's getting into the panels and the breakout sessions at Comic-Con that's really the thrill. But unless you're a VIP, and I don't think they even sell VIP, you just have to be one. You're not getting into those without waiting on long lines. So oftentimes the more popular ones will have a line start a day before. You know, so it's, it's, you have to be a brand fanatic you do. or you're not going to wait in line. No. It's the and same person who waits for an Apple phone when it first comes out. And let me ask you this. Do you have to be a VIP in anybody but your own mind? Yes. Oh, okay. Then never mind. Yes. I think that's the key. <laughs> Truly. Darn it. <laughs> but I like that question. It's very forward thinking. It's, <laughs> it's aspirational. I am brilliant in my own mind. I am too. <laughs> I am too. I have all the answers in my own mind, right? Right. I think that's the problem with many of us. We all think we know the right. Yeah. It's sort of a survival thing, right? But yeah. it's very annoying. All right. So how to reach the brand fanatic? Well, in include plenty of gear and opportunities for mm -hmm. them to showcase their brand loyalty. It's like being at Disney with all of your buttons on and the T-shirt and the ears and the bag and the and the uh, princess shoes and the princess shoes. Provide, <laughs> provide access to key brand representatives unique brand centric experiences and product information. Yeah, they wanna get in those booths and get everything they can. Offer them chances to win exclusive brand merchandise and experiences. I think Funko does that when they do their annual Comic-Con evening, they give out lots of prizes. Uh, we know the people who do their event here in San Diego. Funko, you know, just look at D'Angelo's wall. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. it's just yes. Yeah. Um, and by the way, my nephew has thousands of Funko dolls. He has a room with every wall hidden by Funko dolls. But I digress. Um, provide them with exciting product demonstrations and early access. This is for the brand fanatic. Keep brand top of mind from end to end, from the initial invitation through the final, final event experience. And hold user group panels, give them an opportunity to talk about the brand and make them feel like their uh, ideas and uh, insights count. 
and they do, of course, because it's, it's great surveying and they're right there. Boom, they're there. And these are the people that want to talk the most. So go for it. These people and your butterflies will talk, 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 talk. So very interesting that there are six types and, mm -hmm. you know, Banks Sadler went to the effort of identifying these types and pointing out these uh, strategies to engage them. Very smart thinking, yes. again, where we are in the world and where the world is going and the need to know our attendees and what they want and give them what they want. It all started with Burger King. I'll say it again. No, it was McDonald's. Right. Have it your way. Your way. Have it your Burger King. This Burger King. Yeah. Burger King. Yeah. Have it your way. Yeah. Sorry, Burger King. I should have known that without hesitation. Um, but yeah. Well, because a, you're not, you know, six isn't necessarily your thing. That's why. That's true. That's true. It's it, this is important, though, because, you know, it's it's a conundrum for people who host these kinds of conferences. Uh, in that you do, when the bigger the conference, the more likely you'll have this diverse segment of identities, you know, there's six at your conference, or at least four or five of them. And the idea that there are specific ways to design the experience around them is key to keeping them coming and growing your ranks. And so this is the first time that I've seen an article that actually addresses those kinds of things and helps planners to A, identify the different types and then B, come up with strategies to accommodate them. The name of the article is Understanding Your Attendees, very simple. Understanding Your Attendees, The Key to Event Success. And again, it's by Banks Sadler, that's B-A-N-K-S, S-A-D-L-E-R, two words. Uh, look for it online. And uh, I highly recommend you, you give it a look because, again, engagement is what we're all about moving forward. We must engage. We must compel people. And it's, it's only going to get harder. Show them that they matter beyond the sale of the ticket. Absolutely. You know, um, that is so important. We... Uh, we go to events every year and the number of events that we attend has shrunk. Uh, and when we go, we're much more critical of what we see and experience. And our level of expectation is only heightening. You know, it's only, it's only getting higher and higher uh, because the, again, the, we say it all, the cost is going up. Time is precious. And uh, the world is moving very fast, you know, so the idea that, well, if I miss it now, there's always tomorrow still lingers, I think, in people's minds, you know, oh, you know, I missed it this year, there'll always be next year. You can't have that kind of thinking if you're throwing an annual conference, you need right. to make sure that they feel compelled to go every year, mm -hmm. right? <laughs> you're not canceling it. Wait, you're not postponing it if nobody shows up. That was funny during the pandemic. We're postponing our fundraiser until next year. Well, honestly, you're kind of just sort of like really just canceling it. But if you want to say it's postponement, go right ahead. Next time I throw a party and nobody comes. Not that that's ever happened. Let's make that clear. But not if it should happen. Oh, thank 
Thank you. If it should ever happen, I'm just say I'm postponing it. <laughs> You're not postponing it if nobody shows up. I love that. Obvious and funny at the same time. Um. Oh my goodness. The only thing is that if nobody shows up, you are definitely not in the mood to be humorous. Yeah. <laughs> no, this is true. For sure. This is true. Well, that sort of wraps us up for today. I hope that we gave you uh, some insight uh, into the event attendee and that you will look up this article on your own and get to know them on your own. Very important that you do. Uh, and that's it. We have shows planned for the next few months, so we hope you'll stay with us. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, please give us five stars. It's 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 so easy to do. It's it's just a little star. It means nothing to you. To us, it means so much. So much. So much. So much. If you're listening anywhere else, please continue to listen and please do share us with your friends. If you got a comment or a concern, you can leave it with us on our Balada com website just look for the podcast tab and leave it there in the square and we'll get back at you thanks for joining us and uh say goodbye bye goodbye hey stay engaging <laughs>